0: the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark.
1: Glory be be to you, Lord Christ.
0: As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You like one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed by these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astonished and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, Of mortals it is impossible, but not of God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house, our brothers, our sisters, our mother, a father, our children, our fields, for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please pray with me. Lord God, we pray that your spirit might fall afresh upon us like rain, that you might speak to our hearts, that you might open them up, so that you can step inside of them, Lord, and transform our lives. We pray that you would place your words in my mouth, that I might proclaim them faithfully and boldly, and we pray that we would have a radical encounter with you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning! Good morning. It's so good to see you all today. Well, I remember when I was a kid uh, sitting with my mom on the couch while she would sew, right? And every once in a while, her thread would fall out of her needle. And what do you think she would ask me to do? <laughs> to rethread it for? Her. And I thought it was a piece of cake, right? You clip the thread, you give it a little lick, and then boom, right through there. Now, and I thought I had this some special skill, right, that my mom didn't possess. But over time, I find it's harder and harder. To get the thread through that silly little hole in the needle. I think they're shrinking. It must be that as I grow, the heads on these needles shrink. Because it's hard to get it through there, isn't it? You know, and then you get it kind of bent a little bit, and then, oh man. Or you get a long little string off the end of it that you can't quite see, and it like diverts it the wrong direction all the time. It's hard stuff, this needle through a thread. Or this thread through a needle thing. It's hard to even say it. or even harder to do it. But Jesus today is dealing with something even more complicated than getting a little thread through a needle, isn't he? Let's talk about that, right? So here in our gospel passage, Jesus is getting ready to go travel, and a man comes up and wants to know what he can do to get eternal life. So Jesus challenges him with the traditional legalistic understanding that keeping the commandments leads to eternal life. And so what does he say, right? He says, uh, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, uh, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the man says what to him? I've got all those. How long has he been doing them for? Since he was young. This guy's pretty amazing, right? Uh, He's got it all down. He's got the whole legal aspect. Like, no problem with that, Jesus. That's a piece of cake. And the passage then turns and Jesus looks at him and significantly loves him. And then he says, you lack one thing. And what is that one thing he lacks? Giving away, Giving away everything that he has and doing what with the, the profits from it? The Giving them to the poor. And, then, uh, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and do what? Oh. Follow me. right? Sell everything you have. Give the proceeds to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Does anyone find this mildly startling? (laughs) Right? I would have been more comfortable if Jesus had said, go and put your stuff in storage and then come and follow me. Or go and give away the stuff you haven't worn in a few years. You know, or the stuff that's kind of cluttering up your basement. But keep the really important stuff to you. That's okay. And then come and follow me. I would have been much more comfortable with that. But that's not what he said. And so I find this shocking. And apparently, so did this man. He didn't really like the sound of Jesus' challenge to him. For this man, there was one thing getting in the way of his eternal life, and it was his money. It was his possessions. So Jesus said to get it out of the way. If there's one thing getting in the way of you following me, then get rid of it. The man heard this, and instead of obeying this command of God, as he had purportedly obeyed all the other commands of God, went away shocked because he had many possessions. He couldn't let go of his stuff and follow Jesus Christ. So that event sets off a discussion between Jesus and his disciples because they, like us, were a little shocked at this statement from Jesus Christ. So Jesus kicks off the discussion by saying, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are immediately flabbergasted. They're floored by this statement. I mean, so why is it hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, they're wondering? I mean, the rich have it all. And isn't wealth a sign of God's favor and blessing upon them? Isn't it an anointing of their lives that they have everything now? Jesus is turning their understanding of the world on its head. He's saying maybe it's he's saying it's hard now for these people who the disciples thought were actually being blessed by God to enter into the kingdom of God. And how could that possibly be? Because for many of us, wealth is something we strive for, isn't it? So how can it suddenly be that what we desire can be contrary to what God might desire for us? Jesus does a good favor for them in that he makes it even harder for them to understand at this point, right? He likes to do that for us. Oh, you're wrestling with this? Let me make it harder for you, (laughs) right? And so he says to them, he uses a needle and a camel to create one of the most enduring word pictures in the New Testament. He says, children... Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through what? The eye eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there are many interpretations of what Jesus means by this needle and camel thing, um, but I prefer the plain interpretation. Is it easy for a camel to go through an eye of a needle? Literally. No, not at all. Uh, not even if it has one hump, right, versus the two hump one, right? It still is impossible. What's the only way a camel can go through an eye of needle? Somebody got it in the first service. Small pieces. small pieces! Same guy, second service. That's right, you're here again. That's right, small pieces. You get it small enough, you take it apart enough. But really, in terms of a camel, what's left on the other side? Nothing, right? Just mush. Right? There is no way for the camel to get through the eye of the needle and still be the camel as we see it. It What's that? It It would break the eye of the needle. That's another way. But it's impossible. It's completely impossible. It's not just not easy. It is impossible for the camel to make it through the eye of the needle. And that's what Jesus Christ wants them to see. That it is impossible for a rich person to be saved. How's that sitting? (laughs) By extrapolation, it is impossible for anyone to be saved. How's that feel? Right? Which is why the disciples immediately ask, then who can be saved? The disciples understood and immediately pulled out this from this camel thing that all of them were on the edge. All of them were unable to be saved. All of them had no ability to get to God on their own. And that's why Peter immediately begins to try to justify himself to Jesus Christ, right? You notice what Peter says, Hey, Jesus, we've, we've left everything. Man, you remember that? Remember the nets and the fish and the boats? We left it all. He immediately tries to justify that he can be saved, unlike this rich guy. So we sit with this tension in this passage. Who can be saved? If the way to salvation is the path that the rich guy wanted to take, the path of self-justification and law obedience, then there is absolutely no hope for us. But that's not the hope of this passage, is it? The camel and the rich guy might get all the attention, but the real core of this passage lies in the simple statement of Jesus Christ. For mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are what? All things are what? Possible. That's right. The thing that is essential is to throw yourself and myself upon the mercy of God. To realize that you and I, we have nothing And that God has everything. That you and I can do nothing to earn his love and to accept the gift of salvation that he has offered us instead of our own self-righteousness. Now this is great, and this is the hope that we cling to, but the tension still hangs in the air over the wealth problem, doesn't it? Why did Jesus Christ single out the wealthy? Why did he level this? Why did he put the bar so high for them? I think it is. Because if our only hope in life is in realizing that we have no hope, then wealth can be an impediment to understanding this reality and accepting that we have nothing and that God has everything. And that's because wealth is like an insulator, Right, what does an insulator do? It protects, you. it protects you, right? It prevents you from feeling things, doesn't it? Now, when the weather turns cold in the fall, as it's just done here, what does a person with possessions do to keep themselves warm? What did you do? You put on more clothes. What else did you do? Turn up the heat, right? No-brainer. It's cold outside, so you turn on the heater. And what do you feel? Warm. Warm. It's a comfortable temperature inside, so the outside temperature doesn't really affect us, does it? Now, what does a person on the street do when the temperature turns cold? Try to find a place warm. What if they can find no warm place? They get cold, right? They suffer. What is there to insulate them from the outside change in temperature? newspaper right there's only the things that they can find or scrounge up that will allow them to not feel every single change in the temperature they sit there at night and suffer in the darkness praying that the sun would come up soon they don't have wealth to separate them from the cares and concerns of this world they can't insulate themselves with a house or a heater or a nice down comforter Instead, they intimately feel the challenges that are before them. They realize that they are powerless over the weather. Now, that's a physical explanation of a very spiritual thing that happens to us as well with wealth, right? We have a tendency, or at least I do, to insulate my emotions with wealth as well, right? I feel bad, so I buy something, or I, um, you know... I uh, feel empty inside so I go and do something fun that usually costs money to go do, right? You might do the same thing, don't you? You're feeling down, go watch a movie, feel better. Right? There's ways that we divert those emotions inside of us and those feelings and just cover them up with our wealth because wealth is an insulator. It protects us from feeling. The reality is is that all of us have possessions. All of us are to some degree or other, this rich man in the story. And so the words of Jesus Christ speak to each and every one of us. Have we given up everything and followed him? Or have we put our wealth between us and God? Have we allowed our wealth to be an insulator to protect us from him, to keep him from getting too close to us, too intimately acquainted with our souls? The reality is, is that there's no amount of wealth and no amount of effort that can get us to heaven. But if we turn our lives and everything in our lives over to God, then there is nothing that can stop us from getting there. Try getting through a needle like this on your own. And you'll see that Jesus Christ was absolutely right when he said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that no one gets to the Father but through you. Lord, because it gives us hope, Lord, hope that our salvation does not depend upon our own worthiness or upon our own law-abiding and our own faithfulness, Lord, but upon you and your faithfulness, Lord, we untrust ourselves to you. We open up our hearts and our lives to you now and we turn them over to you. Lord, break our hearts. Break us of our addiction to money, Lord, our addiction to wealth and to pleasure. Lord, and help us to feel. Help us to feel, Lord, what you feel. Help us to have a heart for you, Lord God, and to turn to you in our time of need. Lord God, we pray that you might save us, that you might do what we can never do, and that you might draw us to yourself today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.